Welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast, where we tackle teaching challenges from a biblical perspective. Why are we here? Because we don't believe that our spiritual walk and teaching profession should exist in two separate domains. Rather, the hope we have in Christ should change how we approach everything, not just at home, but at school as well. So join us as we explore both the spiritual and practical sides of key teaching challenges, integrating them together so we can succeed at teaching, glorify God, and make a lasting difference in our students' hearts and lives. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Herzog Foundation. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are my own and do not necessarily reflect the views and positions of the Herzog Foundation. Today, we're finishing up our series on answers to your top teaching questions. And if you missed the beginning of the series, we had three episodes. The first was about classroom management questions, the second time management and balance, and the last one about mental challenges like anxiety or feelings of failure, frustration. Um, I really enjoyed that last episode. I hope um, that it was helpful for you. Today, we're going to talk about questions relating to relationships um, and to faith. And so we have a lot of really good questions here. They range from how can I have a positive, loving environment when students are causing struggles? How do we love everyone while holding to biblical truth? What do I do when asked to teach things that go against my biblical values? Um, Can I witness to students in a public school if they ask me a question? And how can we help students develop a biblical worldview in Christian schools? Um, So lots of great questions here that I'm excited to um, tackle. I'm going to try to tackle them quickly um, so we can get through them without making this episode too long. So here's the first question. How can I have a positive, loving classroom environment when students cause struggles in the room? Okay, well, certainly an easy question to answer, right? Um, But I would just say a couple things that I would say about this is, first of all, um, to refer back to classroom management is really important. Um, If you don't have a classroom management plan, if you feel like that's an area where you're struggling, I would start there, um, or at least that would be a piece of what I have, how I would address this. Um, that's really, really important. We have a free training for that, teachfortheheart.com slash free, um, that can kind of help you get started in that. But that really is a foundational element that if that's missing, um, you're going to have a lot of trouble. So start there. Um, assuming that you have, you feel like I'm doing pretty well with classroom management, it's just, you know, there's just still struggles, which there are still going to be struggles, then Um, You want to continue working with your students, obviously. There's a lot um, that you can do to try to foster a positive environment in your classroom to try to teach students how to get along. I'm not sure what the age... the age group of the person who submitted this question is, but it really is going to depend on the age of your students, um, exactly what that looks like. Um, But I will just say the reason I put this um, question with this grouping is I just wanted to encourage you that that you can do as much as you can and you should do as much as you can to create a good environment in your classroom. It starts with classroom management and then on with like teaching students character, teaching them how to act with each other, teaching those skills. I do think it's helpful to view those as skills um, or traits to be developed. Um, we often wish students just had them, but they're they're in development. Even in the best case of scenarios, these students are, they're still young, they're kids, they're teens, it's all in development. So rather than being frustrated when it's not there, um, teach it the best you can. Obviously, our main job is to teach the academics, but 
We also, um, they these are skills they need for life. These are traits they need for life. Um, so as we can teach that, looking for opportunities to teach that as well. I'm not going to go too much into that right now because that's like a whole nother episode. Um, but the other thing, if I can get back to my original train of thought that I wanted to share on this was that we we can't control our students. We can and should create a classroom environment that's fair and, and where things are controlled with good classroom management. We can and should teach these traits and teach these skills, um, you know, interactive skills, interpersonal skills, you know, communication skills. We can and should do that. But we cannot control our students. We cannot control their actions. We are not them. <laughs> but we can control us. And so asking God to help us demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit to have kindness and peace and self-control and goodness and faith in our interactions is huge. And never underestimate the power that that has. Even if there's chaos going on, um, the power of you as the teacher to remain calm, to remain kind, to remain in control as you deal with the situation. I'm not saying you, know, you deal with it, but you you do so within with the fruit of the Spirit on display in you. And that can make such a difference. And remember, if you're like, well, Linda, I struggle to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit, ask God to work in you. It's a it's a lifelong process, um, but he is at work in you and he can help you in those moments to be gradually, gradually more and more like Christ, gradually, gradually demonstrating those fruits more and more. All right, here's the next question. How can we love everyone while still holding to biblical truth and not accepting what they do. And um, I'm assuming what we're talking about here is um, basically how do I love someone that is doing something or living in a way that's sinful, that's unbiblical? So I think the most important thing in response to this is to recognize that we have been sold a false dichotomy in recent years in our culture. And you see this false dichotomy it it is becoming more and more common and more and more just the way things are viewed in our secular culture in recent years, at least in America. And that is this false dichotomy. And it applies to many situations where there are two choices. Choice number one in the false dichotomy is love somebody by supporting and agreeing with them. Okay, so you love by agreeing with them and supporting with them. That's choice one. Choice number two in the false dichotomy is you you hate them, basically. <laughs> Maybe not said quite in so many words, but basically, yes, you, you either love someone by agreeing with them, supporting with them and what they're doing, or you hate them. Those are your choices. That is a false dichotomy, and that is not what Christians are called to. When you see in Scripture, we are called to love everyone. We are also called to truth. Um, as Christians, we are going to disagree with a lot of people on a lot of things, um, some things which are biblical, but also just recognize, like, we're going to disagree. If you talk politics with someone, you're not going to agree with every with everybody on everything politically. Does that mean that we're not called to love them? Absolutely not. Um, we're going to agree on which sports teams we like. We're going to dis- agree and disagree on all kinds of things with all kinds of people. And so this is not only a biblical issue. This is a, just a really sad state uh, commentary on the state of our culture that we're here. But our culture, by and large, is losing the ability to love while disagreeing. <laughs> And that's so essential. It's so essential for so many things, but especially as Christians, that we are absolutely called to love people, whether we agree with them or not. So if you find yourself in a situation where someone is expecting you to either love them by agreeing or, oh, you must be a hateful person, show them. 
Show them by your actions and your words that you love them. It doesn't mean you agree with them. Um, Now, depending on your situation, you may or may not tell them that you disagree, but you can love whether you disagree or not. Um, And you do not need to affirm to love. Um, So if you are in a situation where you disagree with someone on a certain area or there's a certain aspect of their life that you cannot affirm, be very careful not to affirm that. I will say that is hard. I'm in a personal situation where that that is hard and and sometimes we get it wrong. We're not gonna always interact perfectly with them. But seek seek to not affirm what's not good, okay? We shouldn't be affirming things that are not that are not biblical, things that are not good for the person ultimately. Um, but just because we're not affirming, just because we disagree, does not mean we cannot love. We should love. And how do we love? We love in our words. We love with our actions. We love by caring, by empathizing, by by being there for them, by if they're your student, by helping them with math or English or science, or, right? We, we, we love them just like we would love anybody else. It shouldn't really be any different. Um, so I hope that's helpful, though. Thinking about that false dichotomy, you will see it all over the place. And just always remind yourself, this is a third category. And I take it almost as a personal challenge um, in situations where I'm expected to either love by affirming or be hateful to show no I don't agree but I love you and and you're gonna you're gonna know that I love you you're not gonna be able to deny that um and I and kind of just showing people that don't believe there's that third option showing it with your actions that there really really is all right there's a lot more we can say about that but let's move on to the next question which is what do I do when I'm asked to teach things that go against my biblical beliefs Okay, first of all, this is not legal advice. Um, If you do need legal advice, we recommend Christian Educators, christianeducators.org, great organization to go to for help. Um, We partner with them for the right with the rise up with them for the rise up summit. So anyhow, though, the question is, what do I do when I'm asked to teach things that go against my biblical belief? This really depends on what the situation is. Um, and there's there's different things. That's why I said, if you have a specific situation, I would recommend um, going to them. If you're if you're one of their members, they have they have all kinds of help and resources for you. Um, but they I think they have resources for non-members, too. So check them out. Um, but what I would say is, as I said, it depends. If it's something like evolution. We say, I don't believe evolution, but I have to teach evolution. Keep in mind, you are teaching a theory. You are you are teaching a theory of evolution. So you can teach evolution as a theory, okay? Um, you can teach, this is the theory. This is what the theory states. Um, and, and you can teach a theory. There's nothing, you know, you're teaching what a theory says. And you can be clear that this is a theory and this is what it says. Um, so, so that's, um, and there's a lot of resources out there um, for kind of h- helping teachers teachers with that. Um, if you have freedom to also teach other theories, um, that's something you could also consider. It depends on you know, your school and your district, um, if that's something that you have the ability to do or not. Um, if it's something where like a lot of things are coming up more more common lately in relationship to sexuality and gender and um, um, just different different theories, critical theory, things like that. Um, if it's something like that, um, it you just need so much wisdom. And that's why I really almost even hesitate because the situations are so unique and so varied. I'm going to really refer you to Christian educators. I'm going to encourage you to pray about it. And I'm going to encourage you to seek counsel because every situation is a little bit different. They're not one size fits all. In some cases, the best thing to do is go to the admin or go to the person and to advocate um 
for not doing this. There might be some space for you to advocate and to actually push back some of the darkness in what in what is being asked to being taught at your school. There might be other situations where you have to teach it, kind of like I said with evolution, where you have to teach something, but you can do it um, with from a from a certain perspective where you're able to um, make clear, um, like basically where you're not saying this is true. You know, you're saying this is what, so there might be a way to, to teach it. If you have to teach it in a way that, um, does not, um, like wound your conscience and you feel like is honest with your students. Um, there might be situations where you, where you have to say, I, I can't teach this. Uh, there might be situations, you know, where you have to have a confrontation. There might be situations where you, um, you simply don't do it. Um, so it really just depends. And that's why I said bring in outside counsel, someone at your church, talk to Christian educators, um, pray about it. Don't try to just figure that out all on your own because each situation is very unique and God will direct your steps. Um, and wise counselors are a really helpful resource with that. And once again, this is absolutely not legal advice, but I think it's also helpful to keep in mind that um, as Christians, um, we should definitely know the legalities of what's involved. Um, but sometimes we're called to, um, like if, if the legalities and what God is calling us to do are different, um, then, then there might be space to be willing to suffer a little bit. I think of Paul Bunyan who went to prison for years because he wouldn't accept a license to preach. He didn't think that the church, um, had a biblical basis for, for requiring a license. And so he went to jail for years and wrote Pilgrim's Progress while in jail. And that was clearly part of God's life. I'm not telling you to do something that's going to land you in jail. I'm just saying, I think we've lost that aspect in our Christianity of being willing um, to just recognize that sometimes there is a cost to to sticking with our faith. And once again, that's why wise counsel can be really helpful in kind of um, parsing those differences and what you're being called to do. Okay, this next question is actually really related. How do I deal with social issues like transgenderism that go against my beliefs? I'm trying to think if I have anything to add than what I've already said. I think it's really important to remember what I said in the first thing, loving without affirming, just showing that third option that it's not a false dichotomy that you can absolutely can and should love all of your students. All of your students should be in no doubt that you love them, no matter what they do, no matter what it looks like. Um, there should be no doubt about that. Um, if you're being asked, though, to participate or to encourage things um, that are not um, not going to not helpful for the student, um, then that gets really, really tricky. And so, once again, I'm I'm not going to give blanket advice here. Um, that I don't I don't think that would be responsible. Um, I encourage you to talk to someone um, and get more particular advice. I will refer you though also to a um, interview we did with Jonathan Holmes that's been on the podcast before. Um, you can find it, um, there's, it's actually two parts. So you can find it at teachfortheheart.com slash gender. That's teachfortheheart.com slash gender. Or you can navigate back in the podcast feed to episodes 125 and 126. And um, you can find those episodes there. So if that's something that you're dealing with, I think that'll give you a lot of really helpful principles that you can then take and apply to the situation situations that you're facing. We're taking a quick break to share a bit about our partner, the Herzog Foundation. The Herzog Foundation supports Christian schools in a variety of ways, but one way I highly recommend is their leadership trainings. They offer free in-person trainings to school leaders on a variety of important topics like donor development, marketing and enrollment, strategic planning, culture building, and more. Not only are the trainings free, but lodging and meals are also covered by the Herzog Foundation. So that means your school's only cost is airfare to get to the event. 
My friend Nancy is a school leader at the the school my kids attend, and she participated in one of these events last spring and told me it was absolutely amazing. So if you're at a Christian school, I highly recommend checking these out and recommending them to your school admins. You can find info by going to HerzogFoundation.com and clicking the events tag at the top of the page. That's HerzogFoundation.com and click the events tab. Now back to our conversation. Our next question is this. I'm in a public school. Can I witness to a student if they ask me a question? All right, once again, big disclaimer, this is not legal advice. I am not a lawyer. I am not an expert, but I have learned so much from our friends at Christian Educators. Once again, christianeducators.org, great organization. They have so many helpful things. They're very knowledgeable on this question. But some of the things I've learned from them um, is this. You are allowed to answer questions that you're asked by telling students what you believe. So if student asks, you know, what, you know, Mrs. Jones, do you believe that there's a God? You are allowed to tell them, yes, I believe there's a God. You're allowed to answer students' questions. But a key general principle in public schools in the United States is that you are not allowed to proselytize, meaning you're not allowed to try to convert students. So typically witnessing is going to fall under that. Um, So you are allowed to teach about religion in an impartial way but not to promote a certain religion or to say that a certain religion is right or to try to recruit people to a certain religion, okay? Um, So actually, a lot of times teachers are surprised by how much you are allowed to bring up religion. You're allowed to talk about the Bible, about faith, about God, but it has to be like a logical part of the curriculum. It has to be balanced. It has to be impartial. So you could talk about various religions and what various religions believe if that's appropriate to your curriculum. And, you know, if if it's related to something that you're doing in literature or history, there can even be a case made for studying the Bible as literature. So religion is allowed to be in there. Um, The First Amendment um, actually prohibits Congress, and it's been extended to public schools, it prohibits um, the school from banning religion. You're not allowed to prohibit the free exercise of religion, but you're also not allowed to establish it. And the courts have ruled, at least as of this recording, and at least according to my understanding, which is once again not legal advice, um, they have ruled that you're not allowed to establish a religion. And they say that that is what, what, what I mentioned promote a certain religion, say that a certain religion is right, try to recruit people to a certain religion, okay? So the question, can I witness to a student if they ask me a question legally? You're, that would be, uh, witnessing would be uh, have to be done very, very carefully. If they ask what you believe, you are allowed to reply with what you believe. So yeah, there might be an opportunity to share the gospel if you're asked what you believe, but you can't, you definitely um, can't then go on and say, you know, do you want to accept Christ or something like that would would in most cases, according to my understanding, be against the law. Now, you could once again go back to the question of what is the law versus what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. And, you know, that is a whole nother topic. That's not what we're addressing right now. But hopefully that's helpful in in answering um, your question. And once again, Christian educators is a great help for more details. All right, so that was a question for public schools. Our last question is related more to Christian schools, but it actually can also apply in public schools as well. So the question is this, how can we help students develop a biblical worldview that prepares them for adulthood? Um, So 
I actually interviewed recently um, Dr. Roger Edvig um, on this topic, and he has a book called Beyond Biblical Integration, which you can get. Um, We also interviewed him for our Rise Up Summit. If you have the All Access Pass, you have access to this full interview. Um, If you want to grab the All Access Pass, you can go to riseupchristianeducators.com to grab the All Access Pass. But um, what he talked about, I thought was really insightful, and I'd actually never thought about it this way. He says a lot of schools focus a lot on like, how do we bring the Bible into this subject? Like, how do we integrate the Bible into this subject? How do we teach students to have a worldview, a biblical worldview? And he said the most important thing that you as a teacher can do is actually develop your own biblical worldview. Um, Because if you are thinking biblically about your subject matter, about the world, about everything that's happening, that is going to come out. You're going to talk about the biblical perspective to your students. Um, And actually, real quick caveat, in a Christian school and public school, this is going to look different. In a Christian school, you can totally and you should totally go there and explain why this is the right biblical way of thinking about it and have discussions with your students and everything else. In a public school, you obviously don't have the freedom to stand up and say, this is this because God said this. But you can still um, you can still speak to things out of a biblical worldview without saying this is the biblical worldview that, that, that informed this. So you can still um, kind of provide that common grace um, in your public school classroom. Um, but anyhow, Dr. Erdvig talks, uh, or Edvig rather, talks a lot about how important that is um, to develop your own biblical worldview. And um, he mentions, you know, just th- there's a lot of different ways to do that. Well, it's by reading books, listening to podcasts. We actually talked about how this podcast, the Teach for the Art podcast, um, we try to tackle things from a biblical perspective. So that's helping you think biblically about a variety of topics related to teaching. Um, if you teach a certain subject, you can do the same thing with your subject. So try to find resources that tackle your topic from a biblical perspective. And as you read those books or listen to those podcasts or consider those things, then the way you think, when you think, how does the Bible apply to my subject or apply to what I'm teaching here, that is going, you then, that's going to come out and you're going to want to, ha- you're going to, you're going to be excited about what you thought about. You're going to want to talk about it with your students and that's going to help them develop a biblical worldview. One other thing we talked about in the interview and that we've also talked about a lot on this podcast is the four part framework for viewing any subject. And I and I, I don't necessarily mean like math, English, I mean like anything, like World War II, like um, volcanoes, like any topic, <laughs> anything um, in life, um, you can take through this four-part fra- part framework. Um, and it's creation, the fall, the cross, and then future glory, heaven. Um, and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast you can go back, and there's many episodes recently where we've talked, or we've gone through this framework. Um, we take a topic like balance, or we take a topic like classroom management, or we take a topic like um, grief or school shootings, and we kind of take it through this topic, and it can be really helpful. So that's something where you might say, well, you know, hey, we're studying this thing, or this current event just happened, and every, it's kind of, everyone's abuzz with it, and I, I, I don't know what the biblical perspective is on this. Well, think about it in that four parts. And the first one is... Um, the creation. So ask yourself, when God created the world, what did God intend? What what was it supposed to be like in this area? Um, what what should it be like? Okay, this is what God intended it to be. Okay, next is sin. The fall brought both sin into the world and all the curse and brokenness. So now there's sin and there's brokenness. So how does sin and brokenness affect this? <laughs> and a lot of times that explains why things are so bad and whatever it is. 
And then think about the cross. Okay, in the cross, Jesus is starting to put things back together. It's not fully restored, but he is reconciling man to God. And he's so like, what could this look like? What could this look like when God starts intervening in the life of a Christian, life of a believer? Like what, 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 how does that change the situation and how we should view it? And then finally, um, glory or in the future, what will it be like? Um, Dr. Edberg actually says what he, he uses these four words for this. He says, what ought it to be? What is it because of the fall? What can it be because of the cross? And what will it be one day? In other words, when God restores all of creation and we're all with him in glory, what will this be like then? And that really helps frame whatever it is you're discussing in the big picture of what God is doing and the why, and and what is going to happen. So that's a really helpful framework just to think through in your own mind. And then once you think about that, you're going to be like, I'm so excited. I want to share this with my students in the classroom. And teaching them that framework can be really helpful as well. All right, that is our last question um, for today. Obviously, there's so much more we could go on, but we are out of time. Um, Let's take just a moment, though, to pray together about what we've been talking about. Father, thank you so much that you are with us and that your spirit is with us and can guide us in each of these situations. Teacher, if you have a situation that you're facing right now, take a moment and just talk with God about that question or that challenge that you have. next for wisdom and for strength um, and that God would work in a mighty way in our classrooms this year. And finally, pray for one or two students by name that God has put on your heart and ask for him to work in their lives. Father, we thank you that you are great and strong and mighty to save, and we ask you to work in a mighty way. And we thank you that you are at work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for being here. If you'd like any of the links from this series, you can go to teachfortheheart.com slash answers. That's teachfortheheart.com slash answers. And if you loved this series or enjoyed one of these episodes, I hope that you will share it with a friend and also leave a review for our podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Um, That's a huge help for us in trying to help more teachers find out about this podcast. Well, that does wrap up this series, but we'll be exciting, uh, excited to join you guys again, have some other exciting things planned for you in the weeks ahead. In the meantime, let me remind you that this episode is brought to you by the Herzog Foundation. And until we meet again, remember that God is at work in you and through you, and he's using you to make a difference. Keep your eyes on him and teach for the heart. <laughs>